What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation Instant Reaction Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy to be here with you. Before we get rolling, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Instant Reaction, or Insta, Niners Nation Podcast Network, excuse me, trying to do too many things at once. I apologize. Follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Uh, we always say, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. Well, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. It wasn't what we thought it was going to be at all. But the 49ers get the win in overtime against the Las Vegas Raiders. 37-34. Shouldn't even have gone to overtime because Robbie Gold missed a field goal at the end of regulation. But nonetheless, 37-34 is the final score. Niners win. Niners win. Niners win. And man, things you could argue, could not have fallen better for the 49ers because of what else happened in the NFC. Minnesota lost. So, as of right now, your San Francisco 49ers are the two seed in the NFC. But we'll get to all that later. And I hope to be joined by Jordan Elliott uh, of Niners Nation also. Uh, He should be hopping in here to to, uh, co-chair this thing with me as we go forward. Please leave your comments. I will get to as many as possible. And we have plenty to talk about In this game, the 49ers defense had their worst game since the Kansas City Chiefs game. The defense could not stop Jared Stidham. The Raiders had 500 yards of total offense in the game. 500. Now, the Niners put up 454, which is awesome. But Jared Stidham and the Raiders put up 500 yards of total offense, and they just took it to the 49ers in a way that nobody other than Patrick Mahomes has all year. But as we all know, the mark of a good team is that you can win when you're not at your best. And the 49ers defense obviously was not at their best. And yet the 49ers still found a way to do it. And you know what? We got to find out some things in this game. We got to find out about Brock Purdy. We got to find out what happens to the, to the team. If the defense isn't all world, right? So we learned some things and it was nice to do it in an environment where like, hey, if they don't win, yeah, it would stink. But, you know, they're still in the playoffs, all that stuff. They still clinch a division. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds, you could argue. Stephen Duckett watching on the YouTube page said, I had to change my underwear after that close one, Rob. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you, Stephen. Happy New Year to everybody and Happy New Year to the 49ers. And, you know, when the schedule first came out, I was a little worried about this game because I was like, ah, it's the Raiders. They've got good players. It's New Year's Eve in Vegas. Then they have to play on New Year's Day. I was worried that there could be a little bit of a letdown. And I felt like there absolutely was early on. This was a weird game. The 49ers got the ball three times in the first half. They scored touchdowns on two of those drives, and they were still losing going into halftime. It was a weird feeling. Brock Purdy threw for like 34 yards in the first half. It was just like uh, you wanted to be frustrated with the offense, but they had touchdowns on two of their three drives. It was just a weird, weird situation. And, uh, you know, it never really stopped. The defense kept giving up points. The Raiders scored in, in every quarter except overtime, of course. 49ers gave up their first points in the final two minutes of the game all season in allowing the game-tying touchdown to the Raiders right at the end of the game. So it's just 
look, Josh McDaniels is a really, really good offensive coach, right? You you could say he's not a a good head coach. He's a really good offensive coach and he cracked the code of this defense. And, you know, they put a lot of things on film that I'm sure a lot of teams are going to be copying Flint watching on the YouTube page, Flint seven, seven, eight, five, pretty good. He, he certainly was in the second half. I'll tell you that he was way better in the second half. And I just want to point out as Patrick Nunez does on the YouTube page. Once again, Emmanuel Acho, were you watching? Because once again, in overtime, defense needs a play. They've been getting worked all game. And who comes up big? Of course, Nicholas Bosa. Once again, drives. I think it was Colton Miller, but I'm not sure on that. And I I apologize to you, Colton, if it wasn't you. Uh, But I think it was. Bosa shoves him all the way back into Jared Stidham as Stidham is throwing. That causes the throw to just be a lame duck to Sean Gibson, intercepts it, returns it deep, deep, deep into Raiders territory, almost scores a touchdown, honestly. And then Niners kick the game-winning field goal. But who was it? Bosa in overtime. Again, a game-changing play, man. Jason watching on the YouTube channel. Thanks for the super chat. Jason PDSI. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. Fortune favors fools and the 49ers today. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Nathan watching on the YouTube page. Purdy needed experience in a game like this before the playoffs. A lot goes wrong on both sides of the ball. Defense doesn't dominate and he missed some throws. Yeah, look, no seventh round rookie is going to come in and play great every game and have no adversity every game, right? This week was the first week that the 49ers had trailed since Purdy's first drive against the Dolphins. So that they literally had not faced that kind of adversity. And yet they responded today. And I, you know, okay, I had a lot of complaints during the game. I know it wasn't perfect. I know, but they still won. Even with all the bad stuff that you could say about today with the defense, not doing great, right? With the, with the Raiders putting up 500 yards of offense, averaging 10.7 yards per pass even with the red zone issues on offense, which the 49ers continue to have, right? They still found a way to win. That's a credit to them. Glass City, thank you very much. I knew this game would go like this. No way this team hangs with NFC teams in the playoffs. The secondary keeps getting exposed. Bosa played well, but the defense has a weakness. Good team win. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Okay. Let's let's calm down a little bit. I agree. The Raiders realized that Diamondor Lenore was out on the field and picked on him relentlessly. I get that. And he's a weakness for sure. But let's calm down here. Just because the 49ers defense wasn't historically good for what the ninth straight week in a row. Let's not say, oh, we can't hang with the NFC teams in the playoffs. Which NFC team exactly do you think that we can't hang with? I I would really like to know. Cowboys? Pretty sure I saw the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo whoop the Cowboys last year in the playoffs. The Giants, you worried about them in the NFC? You worried about the Eagles? Okay, maybe, but let's see. We don't even know how hurt Jalen Hurts is, if he's going to come back, if there's going to be any rust, if he doesn't play. A lot of questions about the Eagles, all right? who The Packers, how the 49ers do against the Packers in the playoffs? The Buccaneers, we saw the 49ers kick the tar out of the Buccaneers. So just Who is that NFC team exactly that you think that the 49ers can't hang with Glass City? I want to know. Hink Dad watching on YouTube. Purdy played from behind for the first time in a start, and then he seemed to hold it down. He didn't lose the game. No, he didn't lose the game. I actually thought he did look a little shook at one point 
And then, of course, right, I was literally writing that down on my notes on the drive where Gold missed a field goal, the last drive in regulation. He starts that drive with a throw that is almost intercepted. And I was like, you know, he just doesn't seem totally right. And I don't know about, you know, maybe he start to be shook a little bit, which is only natural, right? He's still a rookie. And the next two plays, he hits IU. Boom, boom. They go down the field. Like, man. And and by the way, good point from Lauren Klein here. Thank you for the super chat, Lauren. IU put the team on his shoulders in the fourth quarter. A hundred percent. And, you know, I was all set to write, to say again that he needed to step up if he wanted to be that number one guy. And here we go. Nine catches, 101 yards, had the touchdown early in the game. Absolutely, man. Like uncoverable man-to-man exactly when the 49ers needed it. On that final drive, he had the first two completions. He was he had the first completion in the drive before that also, the 23-yarder. Like he is uncoverable at times. He needs to be more consistent with it, but man, did he step up. He had a juggling catch also on that final drive in regulation that set him up in field goal range. Man, unbelievable by Ayuk, and he deserves credit for that. Ayuk, Ayuk, by the way, not Ayuk, Kevin Harlan from CBS last week. Uh, Dream Living 5 watching on YouTube. Thank you very much. Props to the 49ers fans for taking over the stadium in Vegas, especially at the high prices. There was so much red there. Holy crap. Nobody travels like 49ers fans, man, this season. It is not just this season. I shouldn't say that. It's awesome, man. We're taking over stadiums on New Year's Day. It was loud as hell. Juice catches the pass. What do we Juice. It was great. It was very much like a home game. Mark Sanchez pointed out multiple times he thought the Raiders were on a uh, a hard count or a silent count, excuse me, in their own stadium. Glass City. As always, Stats, you are right. Thanks for talking me off the ledge. Well, thank you, Glass City. And once in a while, I get them right. Once in a while, I get them right. It's easy to, to get frustrated and panic. We've been spoiled as 49ers fans. We haven't had... A game like this by the 49ers because they've been kicking the tar out of everybody, right? They beat Miami 33-17. Tampa Bay 35-7. Seattle was 21-13. That was closer, obviously. Washington, they beat by 17 points. This is a one-score game, right? We haven't had a one-score finish since the Chargers game back in early November in week 10. So it was a little different and I could see like getting frustrated and maybe panicking a little bit, but we got to take a step back and realize what happened. They didn't play their best. Raiders came out and punched them in the mouth a little bit. You know, it could have been easy for the 49ers to turtle up and not play well and just say, Hey, you know what? Trap game. It wasn't our game. Oh, well, we could still get the two seed next week. You know, they, they had every reason in the world to just chalk this one up to not our night. And they didn't do that. And that's what championship teams do. They make you have to keep playing. They grind it out. And that's exactly what the 49ers did in this game. Niners scored 23 points in the second half to get the 37-34 win. I haven't looked totally at the final box score yet. Brock Purdy, 22 of 35, 284, two touchdowns and an interception. And man, that interception was a bad one. That was a crusher. Uh, But luckily, the 49ers had an interception of their own a couple plays after that, which, by the way, great to see Drake Jackson back in there. You know, he wasn't active the game before this one because the Niners wanted to load up on interior defenders. Active again. He's been around the ball all season long, knocking down passes. Nice to see him catch a deflected pass. Instead of deflecting it this time, he caught it 
And there was a great shot of him on the sidelines explaining it to the teammates. So he's, oh, the ball is in the air and I had it up here. And then I saw it fall into my hands. He's got this great look on his face. I'm sure uh, the screenshot will be floating around out there on Twitter. Maxime Laflame, thank you for the super chat. Defense got worked, but they still managed to get two turnovers when it mattered and one goal line stand opportunistic despite the large yardage number. That is true. And you're right. I actually, shame on me. I forgot about the goal line stand. Second week in a row, they've had a goal line stand. Yeah, they did give up a ton of yardage, but you're right. They bowed up at times and made big plays, game-changing plays, especially getting an interception after that Brock Purdy interception was huge because just when you thought the 49ers had the momentum, right? Purdy, it's first and 15, and Purdy hits Jennings for 28 yards, and you're like, yes, all right, let's go. Next play, boom intercepted and like gut punch. Right. And you're like, you you were down three. You had your chance. You were right at the 50 yard line going into field goal range to try and tie it up. And then boom, the Raiders get the pick. And then lo and behold, defense raises up. They started to get a little more pressure on Stidham in the second half. I think D'Amico Ryan's blitzed a little more in the second half. I feel like he didn't blitz at all in the first half. The Niners get the pick. They go down, they get the field goal. They tie up the game. Raiders get the ball back punt. Niners get the ball, go down the field, kick a field goal. Now, the Raiders did score 10 more points after that. But how about the 49ers offense in the second half? Punt, touchdown, interception, field goal, field goal, touchdown, missed field goal at the end of the game, and then field goal in overtime. Probably could have scored a touchdown if they wanted to, but they didn't even attempt to run it into the end zone there. I thought I would have liked to see Kyle try and get the touchdown. But, oh, I've seen a lot of this in the chat. Sorry. Zandro96, watching on my Twitch page. Shout out to everybody on Twitch. Uh, if you don't follow me there, please do. At Stats on Fire. I'm going to try and do more on Twitch. I'm going to start streaming some Madden uh, games there as well. So if you don't follow me there, please do. We'll talk Niners. I'm trying to build up that community a little bit. Um, but he points out, Hufanga has to get his act together. These coverages blown are going to cost you big in the playoffs. The first touchdown I thought was on Hufanga. But I, uh, people were saying, film people that I trust on Twitter, Rich Madrid, Madrid and other people were saying that it was actually on Lenore just because of the, of the way the play call worked out. I don't know the answer to that. It looked like it was Hufanga on TV, but Hufanga has taken the cheese quite a bit. So he still has to definitely get his act together. Uh, he's still he's too eager to be around the ball. You saw it on the long touchdown to Devontae Adams. He's supposed to have Adams. It looks like he's near Adams. He's he's covering Adams and then he charges in to go sack Brock Purdy and it's like man what are you doing like just do your job man I know you want to be around the ball and make plays but I think that's kind of what you're going to get with him right he's such an instinctive player and he does freelance sometimes and it does burn you sometimes to this point he's got to be able to he's been able to make more big plays than get burned but that might start to shift a little bit especially as more film comes out on him GX12 on Twitter, uh, YouTube, excuse me. CMC was an absolute monster. I hope Greenlaw is okay. Christian McCaffrey was the entire offense for almost the whole game. He was incredible. 19 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. Six catches for 72 yards. He was everywhere. At, at one point, I think it was halftime, he had 92 total yards. The rest of the 49ers team had 32. So that's how crucial... He has been to this team. He was everything in the first half of the game. It was unbelievable. The first drive the Niners had, the touchdown drive was 67 yards. Christian McCaffrey had 60 of the yards 
on that drive. He's a freaking machine, man. And it was frustrating at times. Like they were moving the ball down the field, but you're like, man, we got to help him out a little bit. In the first half, McCaffrey had 12 carries for 79 yards and two catches for 13 yards. He had 14 total touches. The rest of the 49ers offense combined had six. So, yeah. Uh, Full White's watching on YouTube says Jenkins or Ambry Thomas over Lenore from now on. I, I wouldn't be too eager to throw Ambry Thomas or Jackrabbit back in there. Uh, but I did miss Emmanuel Mosley today. Not going to lie. I absolutely did miss Emmanuel Mosley today. Um, but look, again, you can't ask the defense to be historic. And it's nice to see the offense pick it up. They did their job today. Sometimes the offense has to pick up the defense. That happens. And they did it today. And look at the Niners offense since Brock Purdy had to come in against Miami. 33 points, 35 points, 21 against Seattle in Seattle, 37 against Washington, and 37 today against Las Vegas. They're kind of rolling a little bit. And this is, you know, the last couple games without Debo Samuel. And Debo was a big part of the broadcast tonight. They were talking about a lot about how maybe he'll come back next game. Maybe he'll come back from the playoffs, but they got to get Debo back. That's so big. Debo, 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 Debo. Keep almost dropping 40 burgers on people. Damn. I'll take that. 37 points is pretty damn good. And the 49ers defense is not going to give up as many yards and points as they did today to everybody. It's just not going to. Not everybody has Josh McDaniels, right? Now, I think the Raiders did a lot of different things today that they've done in the past. So I think they kind of caught the 49ers off guard a little bit. And I think they had to kind of adjust at halftime. The Raiders had 246 total yards at halftime. They ended up with 500 in the game. So they were just as good in the second half. So the adjustments, you know, I think the adjustments helped a little, but at least on the stat sheet, 250, 250 each half is pretty damn good. 365 passing yards by the Raiders. But the turnovers, man, we've we've talked about it time and time again. The Niners were able to get critical turnovers in the game. And it's the great equalizer. We have seen it. And Niners win the turnover battle again. And lo and behold, they win again. Let's try and get to some more of your comments here. Uh, Carlos Ferreira. Oh, boy. Sorry. Ferreira. I'm going to go with Ferreira. I apologize if I got your name wrong, Carlos. Devontae Adams had to make incredible catches. The First of all, Devontae Adams always owns the 49ers. He eats their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He did again in this game. Seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns. But that one long one that he had uh, right at the end of the game that set up the Raiders' game-tying score, I don't think that was a catch. He never has possession of the ball until it hits the ground, and then he he gains full control of it. He never has full control of it until that point. I thought they should have overturned it, frankly. I mean, you know, maybe I'm biased, whatever, but I thought they should have overturned it. That was just me. I I, I think it hit the ground. Uh, Kalsman watching on YouTube says, damn sure should have. It clearly hit the damn ground. Darwin says the ball was moving. Of course, all 49er fans, right? Oh, yeah, definitely moving. Definitely moving. It wasn't a wasn't a catch. But Devontae Adams is amazing. His, his first touchdown catch on the sideline, just unbelievable toe drag. He just owns the 49ers. He, some guys have your number. Devontae Adams has the 49ers number. And yes, I'm very, very glad that more than likely the Niners are not going to have to face him in the playoffs. Thank you. Now, we might have to face Aaron Rodgers again in the playoffs because the Packers won 
And now that the commander's lost, Green Bay controls their own destiny. So we can get into that a little bit if you want to. Uh, and that that does scare me a little bit. How's it going? Happy New Year, Rob. Good to see you. Year to year. What, uh, what's going on? You got internet problems? Yeah, you know, I was out of town for a week and I got back and my router has been giving me problems for the last day or so. And it always seems to cut out at the worst possible time. So I apologize for the technical difficulties on my end. No problem. It's just like the 49ers defense. Shaky at first, but you came through for me. It did. Xfinity delivered in the clutch. So that's what I'll, <laughs> that's what I'll take away from today. <laughs> so I've been kind of all over the place, but I did start with the fact that like a lot of people are were panicked a little bit. Oh, they exposed Lenore and, you know, the 49ers defense is not elite. And I'm trying to tell people, like, let's calm down. Yeah, not a good game, but they're still really freaking good. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And, you know, at first, I'll be honest, I was like, you know, they had a great script coming out. They set set them up with some easy reads. They really got the 49ers to bite hard on some of that run action. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the league this season. So I thought they did a really good job of getting the 49ers to overcommit to the run. And I can't really fault them for making Jarrett Stidham beat them and trying to take away the proven commodity that has been Josh Jacobs running the ball. But you got to tip your cap to them. They sustained it. And there was just a couple plays where it just felt like, if you, if you had the same play happen 10 times, how many times is Jarrett Stidham going to roll all the way to his left to the sideline, stand in, have enough time to hit Devontae <laughs> Adams wide open downfield as he's getting tattooed by, you know, Talanoa. So at the end of the day, you know what this kind of felt like to me was it kind of felt like um, that Rams game uh, back in 2019, maybe that like Saints game too a little bit, where the defense didn't play their A game, but they got stops at crucial junctures. And they just found a way to win. And I think sometimes those games mean more. Like, I know those guys take great pride in the numbers they put up and how great they've been as a defense. Yep. That has to feel really good. I think it did a really uh, – it did a great service to any of those doubts about can Brock Purdy win when things aren't going well? Can this 49ers team as currently constructed win? when I think it went about as bad as it could have for a lot of that game, and they still found a way to do it. So I think a lot of questions were answered today, and ultimately that might prove more valuable than if they had just come out and won 31-3 to or something like that. In the first half, Brock Purdy was 7 of 10 for 38 yards, and he finished 22 of 35 for 284 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So, I mean, quick math here, 240-some-odd yards in the second half is pretty damn good from Brock. Absolutely. And I, the thing that I love about watching Brock Purdy play is that he just seems unfazed. He seems like one of those guys where whatever cliche you want to throw out, ice water in the veins, pick, you know, pick whatever one you like. He has it. He has that it factor. He has that clutch gene, it feels like. And I love the way that even after throwing that pick on that corner post to Kittle, where he probably could have got it out a bit quicker, could have put a little bit more air on it. He did not shy away from throwing the football downfield. And I think, unfortunately, we've seen in the past from a handful of 49ers quarterbacks under Shanahan. Once that, you know, turnover comes or once that egregious miss happens, they get a little gun shy. And I love that Purdy doesn't shy away from just going right back out there and trying to make those throws. And uh, he had two essentially, you know, what should have been game-winning drives within, you know, the last few minutes of that game too. Robbie Gold makes that kick nine times out of ten. They unfortunately had the one-off time that he doesn't. But I think a lot of questions were answered about Brock Purdy today. And it just comes back to me. It's instincts, Rob. He just he has it. And I think we haven't seen that it from a 49ers quarterback over a stretch of games like this. And I, I can't remember when. It's been quite a long time. Jimmy G in 2017. Are you forgetting? Like, we were yeah. saying the same things. He's going down the field. He's leading touchdown drives late. Getting game-winning field goals. Again, this is not me trying to poop on Brock Purdy. I'm just saying, let's hold on. We don't have to decide now. 
We don't have to decide now. All I'm saying is this is not the first time we have seen this in San Francisco. That's it. Yeah, the biggest thing to me, though, that I would say is the difference is it feels like like when I go back and I watch that stretch from Jimmy, I feel like a lot of that was just like in the moment, like it was a glimmer of hope after an abysmal couple of years. <laughs> well, wow. and so I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm not you know, I'm not trying to act like I didn't buy in at the time, but I, I think it's. Oh, yeah. You know, I I think this is a great comment you just threw up on the screen. I think that Purdy just has that coolness factor to him. He has that, like, he looked completely unfazed. And while there was probably more 49ers fans and Raiders fans in the crowd based on what it looked like from the broadcast, that's still a hostile environment on the road, a big-time game. Again, things aren't going well. And he just looked so poised. And I think that's the biggest thing. Well, the numbers might be similar and the results might be similar. You know, they're on this win streak. The quarterback looks good. We're all buying in. I just feel like the biggest difference is that Brock Purdy doesn't look like somebody who's going to shy away from the moment. And I don't know that I can confidently say that about the 49ers quarterbacks they've had under Shanahan. Casey Sawyer on Facebook says Purdy doesn't get nervous like Garoppolo when it gets rough. Game plan OEXE on Twitch page, on my Twitch page at stats on fire. Purdy's moxie is his superpower. I actually thought he looked a little shook, Jordan. I was literally writing in my notes, you know, he throws the interception. And I thought he, you know, he did look a little bit shaky on the last drive in regulation. The first pass was a miscommunication. It was almost intercepted. I started to get nervous. And then bang, he just goes, Ayuk, boom, boom, right down the field. I thought Ayuk was massively clutch at the end of this game. And uh, he might have been shook for a little, but he recovered. And then if that's the case, then that's a credit to his moxie as well. Absolutely. You know what? I think the best example of that was that first play on the the last drive when he threw, they tried to hit Ayuk on that crossing route over the middle and the safety didn't bite on the go route. Um, I forget if it was McLeod or Jennings, but typically the safety is going to bite on that. And that's a throw that's been open in the four and a yep. half games or so that Purdy's played. And he almost threw a pick. I thought when the ball was, you know, when the defender came back, I'm like, oh God, he threw the, there's the backbreaking pick that we haven't seen yet. And I love that he came right back and fit a ball into a tight window to Ayuk. And I love that Ayuk, just like you mentioned, he just clutched up in the biggest moments and just capped off. It's obviously not going to be the same kind of – we're not going to remember it the same because, unfortunately, the field goal that followed didn't go in. But yeah. that, to go and get that ball because I sat there and I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't feel like Purdy. He's really good about feeling that pressure um, while he's rolling to his left. And it looked like the pressure was going to get there and they were going to take a sack and all of a sudden – what was looking like a promising drive could have been, you know, that ball could have gotten picked and tipped and ran back just the way the Niners did in overtime. So um, I, I, what it really was to me, Rob, is it felt like all different facets of the game, they were all picking each other up. And I think that that's something where the 49ers have been so good for most of the season, especially on this nine-game winning streak. We haven't had to see the offense pick up the defense like that or the receiver pick yep. up the quarterback like that in the way that we did today. And I think that that's something that hopefully will build confidence going into the last week of the season and then the playoff run that will follow. Kyle Tanney watching on Facebook. Purdy senses pressure so much better than Garoppolo. How about this? Chad Marshall on YouTube. Brock the Rock. His feet don't pitter-patter when things matter. I like that a little bit. They're actually, one of the biggest plays in the game, I thought, came after the 49ers get the goal line stand, which should not be taken for granted. Incredible goal line stand, second in two weeks. Niners are in a little trouble. Brock drops back. He gets pressure in the end zone. What does he do? Does he run out of the back of the end zone like a certain 49ers quarterback did this year? No. Does he freak out and just throw the ball and have it get intercepted for a pick six? No. He rolls out calmly. He buys time and he throws the ball away, avoiding disaster. And the 49ers punt the ball and it's fine. Right? But just that one play. That's a play we have not seen 
a lot from 49ers quarterbacks in the last six years. And just like that is a play that's it's going to go unnoticed and forgotten, but it's an important play. Absolutely. And I thought there was something similar on that touchdown he threw to Kittle, where again, he spins out of the pocket, he avoids that pressure and he throws a dot into the back of the end zone. Like when, again, when that ball, like that's why I love watching on the broadcast angle, because it's so much more of a roller coaster ride when you get to the last <laughs> game film. You're like, all right, this didn't look as, you know, scary as it might have in real time. But he's throwing and there's a ton of traffic. And then you see Kittle come out of the back of the screen and, you know, back of the end zone. And I think that his ability to buy time and extend plays is something that's been invaluable for them. Because the only other quarterback we've really seen that's able to do that consistently for the 49ers has been the limited action we've seen of Trey Lance, where he was able to buy time, um, look to throw downfield, get out of the pocket, let his receivers get open. And I think Purdy being able to do that on top of just the confidence he has executing within the scheme, the timing that he's showing on some of these quick three, you know, three step slants, these quick in routes over the middle. um, I'm blown away. And, you know, it felt like today, I'm not going to lie, Rob, at points, I was like, Pretty confident they were going to come back. And then towards the end of that fourth quarter, I'm like, this just might not be a day where they have it. Like, this, it just might not be there. And they still found a way to do it. So it's hard not to buy in and believe because even if you're not fully sold on Brock Purdy yet, it's really hard not to buy in on all the pieces around him and how he's been able to at least provide them a consistent floor that's not going to take them entirely out of ballgames. And the confidence, I think it's building within him, building within the locker room, building the confidence with Kyle Shanahan also. I don't think that can go understated. Like, there's a belief now that's starting to to get built here. I think Jimmy Garoppolo built it in 2017 when he came in right away and won all those games and won them late. That was the foundation of the love for Jimmy Garoppolo in that locker room. And a win like this today, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot of 49ers coaches and players say this week, like, hey, we've won blowouts now we know we can win close games now we know we can win shootouts I think that is something that they're going to look back on and build upon absolutely and like the thing we have to look at too is like they've scored more than 35 points in three of the four games that Purdy started and yep. I think what happens Rob is that while I love watching 45 yard bombs and tight windows downfield from Mahomes and Allen and some of these guys the Niners aren't built to be dependent on that. They just need a guy who's going to understand where Kyle wants him to go with the football and to get the ball into the hands of the Brandon Ayukes, the George Kittles, Debo when he comes back. Uh, McCaffrey had it just incredible. He had one of those games again today where you're like, who cares about draft picks? Draft, you know, 2023 draft, I couldn't be bothered, right? F them picks. Man, I don't know if you saw, there. I think it got called back. The Burford, a legal man downfield. But McCaffrey, I think people, like, he's so like shifty and he's not he doesn't look like the biggest guy but he is a tank dude he ran into Daniel Brunskill and knocked over Daniel Brunskill and I think it was a linebacker for the Raiders too just bowled both of them right over and then on that long reception he had in the fourth quarter too it's the same thing where it's like this guy is just an incredible talent and he had some you know good years in Carolina but we never got to see him at his full potential we're seeing that now and I think that the biggest thing is that like We've never seen a weapon like that for Kyle that is that complete package as a running back. We've seen Debo obviously take on that unique wide back role. We've seen some yep. excellent play from other guys, but we haven't seen a bona fide top five, top three, whatever you want to call it, running back in Kyle's system. And I, I think Christian McCaffrey's kind of dismantling the whole running backs don't matter thing. I think it, it's a discussion that requires context, but he's proving that all those picks they gave up for him still might be – um, a steal for them. And they gave up the majority of their draft picks in the upcoming draft. And that still might be undervalued for what he's really worth. I think that's just incredible when you think about it. I completely agree. McCaffrey is he's, it was their whole offense in the first half. He's just, he's capable of carrying them at any time. He does everything they want a running back to do in this system. All right. 
Here's where I butcher more names and I apologize. Haynes K. Thank you very much for the super chat. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much for spending some of it with us. My brother got me. I don't know what that symbol is. Is that pounds? I think it's either pounds or euros. I apologize if for it's not euros, I think yeah. it's pounds or euros. I okay, apologize. I apologize. Love going international. So if it's euros, maybe it's euros. My brother got me 10 euros to support you. I upped it. Thanks. Love your podcast. Happy New Year. Love Brock face and overcome adversity. Ayuk stepping up when Kittle can't and the guys supporting Brock. Let's go Niners. Well, happy birthday. I totally agree. I think you said it too. And, and Haynes K said it. Everybody picked each other up today. And that's awesome to see. You know, everybody did. Even after um, Brock threw the interception to that, that play on Kittle, Kittle went back to the sideline and was like, hey, man, thanks for taking a shot. Like, I, I think that, you know, this team is mentally as tough as any team in the league. They have the mindset of a champion. They don't die. They don't give up. On defense, they've talked about we only need one blade of grass to defend. I think that their mentality makes them even more dangerous. Absolutely. And I think, too, the thing, like, I was just thinking you said that, like, even though, like, there's the miss and the interception on that corner post to Kittle, like, the fact that Purdy's doing it week in and week out and taking those chances, that's why so many things underneath are open because defenses have to respect that even if he doesn't have the strongest arm or he hasn't been in the league for, you know, a number of years, he's willing to see those shots and take them. And, you know, I, I think the world of Andy Reid, but I struggle to think of a better um, offensive mind in the NFL that's as good as Kyle Shanahan is at identifying coverage, knowing the defensive rules of an opponent and calling coverage beaters to exploit that. And I think that he's on the same page with his quarterback where the quarterback's consistently seeing what Kyle wants him to see at a level we haven't seen. I think that's the biggest difference, Rob, because I agree. I think that stretch with Jimmy was the last time where we had everybody buying in and really like, you know, truly excited about the quarterback position like this um, with a sample size ops, you know, Trey Lance is still a, we don't know yet. It's that's to be determined, but with a tangible sample size in the NFL, the biggest difference to me is that Purdy is seeing those reads. He is seeing those things that Kyle wants him to see. And because of that, it's opening up so many more things in that middle area of the field. Like if you look at the heat maps, it's almost the complete opposite. Jimmy's is all between the numbers, you know, between the hashes, and a lot of Purdy's is really centered outside the numbers downfield, 10 yards, 15 yards upfield. Yep. And I think the more and more that's there, even if he's not consistently um, hitting every single one of them, it's going to have those checkdowns to McCaffrey. It's going to have those drag routes to Kittle over. Yes. And we're seeing that, you know, the, the symbiotic relationship of that, even if it's not a home run every time, it has um, lingering effects in the game in the following weeks. The answers to the test are there for Brock and he's been able to find them. And you're right. It does have lingering effects. Although in the first half, and let me read this comment first, Luis Fernando Aguilar Alonso love that Purdy's not scared of letting it rip. Even after the pick, he still tried a couple of long throws. It's awesome to see. He wasn't doing that in the first half. In the first half, his longest completion was nine yards. He, he only threw for 34 yards in the first half. Like they were not doing that. And I was frustrated by that. I was tweeting like, please, Kyle, don't stop doing that. I know it's a close game, whatever they're scoring points. Like do not lose that aggressiveness. And luckily in the second half, obviously they found it. Like I said, I think Brock threw for like 240 yards, by the way, shout out to Twixter 54 on YouTube, helping us out with the abbreviations here. We now know the symbol for pound, the symbol for Euro. I totally forgot the Euro was a thing. So that's my bad. Thank you for bringing it up, Jordan. Cause I never would have even uh, guessed it. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're getting everything we need here on the instant reaction show. By the way, should you give a shout out quickly? I don't know if you could see my shirt here. I got my 49er shirt on from homage. They have the best 49er gear. If it's your birthday, like uh, that previous commenter, 
Get a shirt from homage. They have the best 49er stuff. There's a link in the description of the show. There'll be a link in the podcast description as well. You click it. It'll take you right to the 49er page. They have awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, I'm trying to look in the post game to see what people are saying. Aaron Banks went down in this game. Kyle Shanahan said he most likely had an MCL injury to his right knee. That is very scary for me, Jordan. I don't like that. Yeah, that's concerning because especially where we're at in the season, if it is anything severe, it's probably going to run through the course of the postseason. Again, that's just based on what we've seen from MCL injuries. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to give a diagnosis uh, like I know anything. But we've seen those typically are. We've seen Elijah Mitchell have a couple of those injuries. <clears throat> they typically run a few weeks at minimum. So hopefully it's nothing too severe and it's something that they get straightened out. And we have a situation where it would like with Debo and everybody thought it was over and it was done. And then it turned out it was just going to yep. be a couple week thing. So I uh, wish the best Aaron Banks. He's played fantastic, but I think that the 49ers had the ultimate weapon in Daniel Brunskill as somebody who's had experience at all five <laughs> offensive line positions. That's a weird play. statement to say. The ultimate weapon in Daniel Brunskill. It's, it's crazy to think about, right? But he really is kind of like that utility reliever, right? Like he can come out of the bullpen at any time and he can fill in anywhere you need him to in any situation. And I think that that's proved to be invaluable for them because um, I haven't had a chance obviously to go back and watch the game tape yet, but there wasn't anything glaring on screen. I'm like, oh man, this, you know, missing Banks right now is really what's going to cost them this game. And I think that that is not an indictment on Banks as much as it's just the Niners have six offensive linemen who could start, which is why they've had to kind of shuffle Burford and Brunskill to get them both on the field. So I think that um, while losing Banks is obviously going to hurt because he's been so great this year, thankfully the 49ers have a contingency plan. They have an insurance plan in Daniel Brunskill who can slot in and who has the experience. They're not throwing in a guy like, you know, like Nick Zakel is somebody who I think factors into their future. He doesn't have the experience Brunskill has. Brunskill started playoff games. He started in that's the NFL all five positions, and that's really going to be important going forward. That's a good point. You know, like the Niners have built in redundancies to this offense, and Daniel Brunskill does have that experience. I mean, they made it to a Super Bowl with Mike Person as mm -hmm. one of the guards. Like, so let's not act like you got to have a, you know, an all pro player at every single spot, but they have built in, they have prepared for this and it's, uh, it's paying off. Of course, half the battle for who wins the Super Bowl is literally just who's got enough healthy, good bodies at the end of the year. Uh, Bay Marin watching on YouTube, any info on Greenlaw? Kyle said he's got a back injury and he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. They don't know the extent of it. He did get up and run off the field which I thought was good to say. And you know what? Good for the 49ers. Don't bring him back in the game. You know, yeah, it sucks. But if you lose, if you lose, like, it's better not to, like, push it. And so, you know, that was good to say. So we'll see what happens uh, with Greenlaw. And again, with all these injuries, don't exhale until you hear Kyle's conference call tomorrow. Because that's when we get the real news. That's when they get the MRIs. Um, and so we'll see then. I don't see any other injuries. Um, sprain MCL. Hopefully that was it. Um, let's get to some more comments here. I saw one that I wanted to point out. Now, of course, I can't find it. All right, so we'll get to this. How do the 49ers get the number one seed? Good things happen for the 49ers today in that conversation. Sorry, not to cut you off. And we need an Eagles loss next week to the Giants, which is going to be dicey because the Giants have locked things up. They beat the Colts today, so they have nothing to play for, really. Um, unless they want to play spoiler and, and maybe stop the Eagles from winning the division. So the Niners need an Eagles loss and a win. And then we get the number one seed. That's pretty simple, but it's not going to be easy. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, so I was thinking just what you said. Um, I think one of the biggest things that gets overlooked, really, when we talk about who are the elite teams, who are the best teams, it really just comes down to what you said, Rob. It's who is the healthiest over the course of the season. And I think a team that really up until recently had avoided that, you know, severe injury bug was Philadelphia. And I don't know if he came back, but I know um, they had one of their starting defensive ends go out today. Jalen Hurts has obviously missed the last couple of games. So, you know, these are the kind of things that the 49ers have kind of weathered that storm early on and they've faced that adversity and a team like Philadelphia now, like they, you know, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be a game that's, you know, extremely daunting, even if Minshew starts, but they have to win that game for the one seed. Like this isn't just some situation where they're coasting into the bye and they get healthy. They have to go out and divisional games. You never know what's going to happen. And I think that barring the Giants resting the majority of their starters, mm-hmm. that's going to be a really tough game for them. And as of right now, like maybe Colt McCoy clears his concussion protocol, but like the Arizona Cardinals are it's seemingly picking up quarterbacks off the street, off the waiver wire to just <laughs> fill in to get through the rest of the season and, you know, recoup in the, uh, you know, regroup in the off season. So while many probably felt today was a winnable game for the 49ers and they took it to the very last second, you'd like to think the same thing about a Cardinals team down as many players as they'll be down to their third, fourth option at quarterback. So right. 49ers, like, there's a very realistic outcome to them getting that one seed, and that would be huge for them. It would potentially give Debo Samuel an extra week if he doesn't come back already. It gives them time to rest. You get that home field at Levi's where they've won playoff games. They're comfortable. Um, a lot of the little things, Rob, that I think get overlooked, traveling, staying in a hotel, not having the amenities and the things we don't see on the field yep. leading up to a pressure-packed game like that. And what an incredible story it would be if the 49ers do end up with that one seed after they were sitting at three and four after getting the – breaks beaten off of them by Kansas City. That would be one of the more incredible turnarounds I think we've ever seen. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Aaron Banks maybe gets extra time. Greenlaw, all those guys. Although Kyle told the broadcast crew, I thought this was interesting, that he's not comfortable because they've already clinched. Like he's used to going down to, you know, the last play of the last game of the regular season. So he's still kind of feeling his way out here. He likes it better when their back is against the wall. So, you know, maybe he can push this angle to them for next week to help get them motivated. Um, We'll see how, of course, all those seedings play out. To get the two seed, the 49ers need a win or a Vikings loss. Either one of those things. If the Niners win next week, they are the two seed. Because like I said at the top, they're the two seed now. The Vikings loss has pushed the 49ers conference record. Uh, It's better than the Vikings. So that's how they get the tiebreaker for the two seed. So they control their own destiny, even though I hate that phrase win and we keep the two seed if the vikings lose and we lose still we got the two seed looking at some of the post-game comments how about this from brandon Ayuk on brock purdy quote today really showed us this dude is on a different level and he can play for sure that goes back to what we were talking about jordan the belief in this locker room it's starting yeah and you know i don't want to ever have it sound like you know this isn't directed as like a shot at anybody else but you know like these guys have been very transparent with how they feel about who's a quarterback, right? Like I think at a certain point they've they've been good teammates and I don't think that there's any animosity towards any of the other guys, but like we had, we saw it all last year with Jimmy, how vocal these guys were about Jimmy, how much they believed in him. Um, We've seen it with Brock Purdy now. And I think a lot of that really comes back to just, they haven't had a long stretch of games to see that Trey Lance is that guy, but they're seeing it from, you know, they've had the years with Jimmy. They've had this time with Brock Purdy. And I think that this team, just once they buy in, they really do buy in. And we heard, you know, Trent Williams comparing him. He's like, man, I felt like he was Peyton Manning or whatever he said about him, you know, commanding the <laughs> huddle in practice. Um, you know, Nick Bosa saying, you know, we got a quarterback. 
And I think it's so easy to have that skewed as like, oh, well, they don't buy in to Trey Lance, but they're saying all these about Brock Purdy. I think it really, again, just comes back to Rob. Like, we've been able to see a stretch of games in December heading into the playoffs. Trey Lance will get that opportunity one day. But with Brock Purdy doing it now, I think it's good that they have bought in and they have made him feel like he's that guy. Because regardless of what happens a couple months from now, this 49ers team is built to win now. And they are built to beat anybody in the NFL on any given Sunday. There is not a team that I'm looking at where I'm like, you know what? It was a good run. They don't have a chance. That doesn't mean I think they should be favored against every team. We obviously saw what happened when they played Kansas City. But I really respect the way that they've made this guy who's basically, you know, at that point you're playing with house money. You're, you know, last pick in the draft as a rookie is playing on a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. And not only did they not miss a beat, Rob, they have, in my opinion, elevated their game even more so. So I just think this it's one of the more incredible stories I've ever seen in sports, to be honest with you. It's been absolutely phenomenal being on this ride the last month or so. Mr. J on YouTube, Rob, why do you hate the phrase the game is in our hand? No, control your own destiny is the phrase that I hate because destiny by definition cannot be controlled. It will happen regardless of what you do. That's what makes it destiny. That's just a pet peeve of mine. Um, but no, I agree with everything you said. Like it's clear they really like Jimmy and they really like Brock and maybe they'd really like Trey. They say they really like Trey, but you can see and feel the love for those two other guys. And by the way, we should mention it quickly here before we wrap up. You might have missed it for your New Year's Eve plans or whatever. Trey Lance did have a second surgery on his ankle uh, shortly before the New Year's Eve holiday. They removed the hardware that was in his ankle. Apparently, it was brushing up against the tendon. It was causing him some discomfort. So they went back in and they took it out. He's back on crutches. He's going to be on crutches for about two weeks. Uh, obviously, that totally eliminates any tiny little chance he might have had to come back this year. Niners are saying he's going to be ready for OTAs. Niners are saying this is not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. I don't buy any of that, Jordan. He had an unplanned second surgery. And you could say it's routine or whatever, but it was not the plan to go back in and take out that hardware. It was supposed to stay in. And now they had to go back in and take it out. That doesn't give me the warm and fuzzy feelings. You know, I, I agree with you that it's definitely not like if we're talking about like most ideal scenarios, it clearly isn't right. And I think that anybody suggesting otherwise would be ignoring that the ideal scenario would be just a clean recovery. But I do think that, you know, if there is a comforting thing to any of that, it's that Kyle's been pretty adamant. He didn't plan on having him back. So I don't think it's a situation now where they're scrambling, where they're like, OK, well, we figured we could ride it out with Josh Johnson being the backup, kind of breaking glass in case of emergency type situation, um, you know, but. I do wonder what they're going to do with the other quarterback that had the foot problem that apparently is, you know, cast off and walking around now because I don't see how you could go back to Jimmy the way that Trey's playing. We could get reports that he's walking without the boot. We could get reports that he's walking on water for all I care. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you could go away from the hot hand that you have now. So I do wish Trey Lance a speedy recovery, but I do think, again, like the one thing that doesn't make me overly concerned is that it just didn't seem like that was in their plans. It seemed like they wanted to make sure he had a full – and proper recovery window. So hopefully this isn't something that's going to set back the OTAs and we're not sitting here a couple months from now. It's like, well, actually, if you remember, you know, the end of December, that screw that came out, it actually caused more problems than we realized. That's when it's time to panic a little bit, I think. But hopefully it's just something that can resolve itself by the time his uh, recovery window is. But see, that doesn't come out now. I'll tell you when mm -hmm. that comes out. When people feel safe. Let's say, for example, Trey, they give Trey the starting job next year and he's killing it right away or he struggles right away. There'll be a story and it'll just be one or two lines in a story where 
well, you know, back when he had that out, he really, you know, was really a major thing. And it, he took him a few weeks to feel right or whatever. When people feel safe, we'll get more details on that. We That doesn't come out now. I'm just saying there's no such thing as minor surgery. All right. They're cutting your body open. They're exposing you to infection. Who knows what can happen when they cut you open? They felt like they had to go and do it. Trey Lance was in pain in his recovery. So they had to go in and have the second surgery. Again, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it i just i i'm i don't like it that's all i'm saying no and i'm with you and i think again like anybody suggesting that it's the ideal you know or it's just you know run of the mill like it obviously isn't like they use the irritation is there for a reason and they felt like he had to undergo that surgery again so hopefully it's something that turns out not being detrimental to that recovery window but i'm with you it's not something that just you know we wouldn't have heard about it if it wasn't something worth mentioning right so i'm, I'm with you on that yeah. So anyway, I just I wanted to mention it because we haven't done a podcast since that news came out and I didn't want to totally ignore it. But obviously, today is, is a day about the win over the Raiders, 37, 34 in overtime. Uh, I'm just I'm elated that they won this kind of a game because, you know, this could happen again. Like we saw it happen earlier in the year, right? The Chiefs did the same thing to the 49ers. Touchdown, touchdown, driving down the field all the time. The problem was that the offense could not keep up. Well, today the offense kept up like you can win a game even if your defense isn't great. Even if they give up 40, 45 points, you're allowed to score on the other side. And the Niners did that today. Absolutely. And I just think there's so much to be said for like having that tangible piece of evidence to believe. Like, I'm sure they see this in practice. They know what Brock Purdy brings to the table. But having that like literal example to fall back on where if they are in a game where they're trailing and they need to go down, march down the field on a two minute drive to take the lead or tie the game. They're like, hey, we've seen this guy do that. You know, like one of my favorite stories, I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to Joe Montana. One of my favorite stories that I was oh, a 49ers fan <laughs> is the, remember the Super Bowl where they're going down the field and Joe's in the huddle and he goes, is that John Candy in the crowd? Just calm as can be. He's talking about John Candy yep. hanging out in the audience. And I think there's a level of belief that guys start to have in a guy like that where they're like, this guy leading this drive is just different. He just has that calmness and poise that makes me be the best I can be. And then it, it's contagious and it's infectious. And again, Brock Purdy has quite a long way to go before he's going to be in the Joe Montana conversation. But just I yeah. wonder if there was something like that on a smaller scale where the 49ers had something in the huddle where there was maybe a word or two from Brock Purdy or a play that he executed or something he did on that driver, these guys are like, you know what? I bought into him before. I'm all in. I'm pushing all the chips in. And I think sometimes it's so easy, Rob, to forget that these are human beings playing this sport. And I think having a tangible example like that to go back on when the going gets tough, which it will in the playoffs. There's only good teams typically in the playoffs. You're going to have a lot tighter games. The margin for error is much thinner. And I do wonder if there is that slight elevation of belief that takes them over the top because they had an experience like this with Purdy under center. I think that quote from Ayuk, I'll throw it back up. Today really showed us this dude is on a different level and he can play for sure. I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. I'm going through some other post-game quotes. Nick Bosa talking about the play in overtime that forced the interception. I like this quote from him. I'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, he said, quote, I changed up the pace of my rush and got into his chest and just kept pushing. Ah, man, I was happy to see that ball fluttering in the air. If you go back and watch, and they showed it once on the TV copy, when the he hits – he pushes the lineman into Stidham and the ball's in the air. Bosa looks up at the ball in the air and he puts his arms out like, yes, like before it's even caught by Gibson, he knows he can see it in the air. And he's like, it's like Steph Curry before it goes in celebrating. 
Oh, that's a fantastic barrier crossover there. I love that. Um, yeah. And you know, it's so funny too. So this is why I love pressures, Rob, and I love having tangible things like quarterback hits and like cutups to go back and watch because what can happen is people go, Oh, Bosa played the Raiders. He didn't have a sack in this game. And you lose sight of the fact that he, especially in the second half was burying Stidham over and over. Kerry yeah. Hyder did. And the play before Hyder had the ball bounce off his face mask, same thing. And I loved it too, because that one that Hyder had was like the most flawless quarterback hit without the chance of a roughing the passer penalty. I think I've seen all season. He hits him and immediately falls backwards with his hands up, um, doesn't put any body weight on him. And I think that the 49ers did a really good job of making Stidham uncomfortable towards the end. I tip my cap to him. He played incredible. For a guy making his first career start against that defense, he did about sure. as well as you could have asked. But I thought that the 49ers did a really good job of having him rattled. And there were a couple times, even on that drive where they had the uh, insane completion to Devontae Adams, where they had Bosa running these loops and stunts up the middle. And even though he didn't get home for the sack, he was in Stidham's face. He was knocking him on the ground. And I think that those added up to the point where it culminated in that final pressure, where he literally drove the blindside tackle into the lap of this quarterback that's having to have this all-time moment, you know, in their first career start. So um, it, th- this was a game that it may not show up on the stat sheet is what I'm trying to say, but Bosa was as good as he's been all year in my eyes. Just like last week on the two-point conversion, he sacks Carson Wentz, keeps it a two-score game, not going on the stat sheet, incredible play in the game. Bosa had five quarterback hits in this one. Didn't get a sack, though. So he's still two sacks away from tying Alden Smith's record. So we'll have to see uh, if he could get that next week against the Cardinals, who I don't know who the hell they're going to be starting. It was David Blau today for the Cardinals. So we'll see. Although, like you said, we didn't think Jared Stidham was going to do anything. And here we are, 37-34 in overtime. But a win is a win is a win. 49ers get the win. They are 12-4 and now on the season. It is insane. The 49ers could have a shot at a 13-win season, a number one seed in the NFC, and they're on their third string, seventh round rookie quarterback. Just realize that, people. Realize where we are and just appreciate the insanity that is occurring right now. Absolutely. And I think the only unfortunate thing is, is that they have been playing so well. It's that it's almost you lose that kind of like, all right, everything from here on out is house money. Now it's like the expectations have yep. been creeping back. And it's hard not to have them creep back because they've scored 37 twice. They scored 35 the only game that they didn't score over 35 was in Seattle on a short week, and they still did enough to win that game. So it, yeah. it's tough because you straddle that line, right, Rob, where you're like, like this team, sh- like they're as good as anybody. Like they should be competing for Super Bowl <laughs> while also calibrating like, hey, like eventually this might come down to earth and this guy is going to, you know, show some regression. But hopefully that's something like th- this is just something where they're able to ride that hot streak into the end of January, early February. And that's something we can worry about next year because I don't think – there has been a 49ers team top to bottom that's been as good as this since maybe Jim Harbaugh's first year, 11 years ago. Um, And I'd argue this team might be better than that. And even with Brock Purdy, this is, my opinion, their best chance to really win a Super Bowl. Even though they were eight minutes away from winning one, literally in the Super Bowl in 2019, I think this team's better. And I think they have as good of a shot as any team they've had over the last decade or so. That is such a good point, and I'm totally guilty of it. In this podcast, I did it earlier before you hopped on. When I talk to 49er fans about the 49ers, I say, look, it's all house money, man. It's your seventh round rookie quarterback. Who can't, you know, this is unprecedented, blah, blah, blah. When I talk to anybody else about the 49ers chances, I'm like, 
Who are we going to lose to in the NFC? The Giants? No. The Commanders? No. The Bucks? No. The Cowboys? Like, I'm puffing out my chest when I talk to everybody else. But among Niner fans, I'm like, hey, let's just be calm and be cool and we'll see what happens. You, you know what I was wondering about, too, when you were mentioning Bosa? Can you remember a time where there's been a 49ers defensive player that had five, six, it feels like, sacks that – we're literally inches away from bringing a quarterback down. Like it feels like Bosa should have 25 sacks this year. <laughs> and there's been, like Carson Wentz did it last week. Um, a couple times today, Stidham did it. Stidham but did it, yeah. Really has him. He's going down and they somehow have a way to get the ball out to an outlet or get it out of bounds without having it be grounding. And it's just like, it feels like even if he doesn't finish with that record next week and he finishes with, you know, 17 and a half, 18, whatever, it won't tell the full story of just how dominant he was this season. Cause it feels like there were so many were a literally, you know, you're talking about the blade of grass. Like literally if that blade of grass is a few inches higher, Bosa's is ending up with 23, 24 sacks this year. It feels like. I totally agree. It's crazy how close he has gotten on some of these. And it also goes to show how incredible that year was from Alden Smith, by the mm -hmm. way, to get 19 and a half is just absolutely insane. Uh, Brock is at the podium. Now I'm told, I'm trying to see if I can get a couple of, Brock quotes because uh, I mean, he's generally more of like an aw shucks type of guy anyway, but you know, maybe he's going to get a little, he's, he's more confident on the field than he is at the podium at the podium. He's like, aw shucks on the field. He's doing finger guns after he throws touchdowns. Uh, let's see. Here we go. I got playmakers all across the field around me. I just got to do my job. Boring. Brandon. Ayuk does a great job winning in his man to man matchups. He does a great job creating space boring come on brock give me finger guns brock at the podium yeah you know he just he may not have that like electric personality that's gonna <laughs> sell but i think he's been everything you could have asked and then some so i think we can we can oh, live yeah. with it right but it is funny he, he just does kind of seem like that you know what are, what are the old cliches like the lunch pail guy that you know first in last out like he really just mm -hmm. seems like one of those guys where football is everything and i think that um it's nice to see that because I think that really translates over while you may not have the NFL experience. This is a game that's been your life 24 seven for decades now. And I think that he's a guy that just kind of exudes that like, Hey, I'm, you know, like you, like you mentioned with the quote, like, Hey, I'm Brandon, I said here, winner. I got playmakers all over. I'm having the time of my life over here. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to give you guys some hot take about how we're going to storm through the playoffs from the Super Bowl. I'm just happy to be here is what it kind of feels like. And for the way he's playing and to have that humble attitude, I think it's an incredible combination. I think it's fascinating. It'll be kind of interesting uh, next year if the 49ers do decide to do a quarterback competition. Because you could say Jimmy Garoppolo was not like rah-rah guy at the podium, but Jimmy Garoppolo very much had the personality of, this is my team, this is my locker room, I know how the guys feel about me. Like He was very conscious of that. Will Brock feel that way if it's a quarterback competition next year i have no idea will trey feel that way he seems to be conscious of of you know his standing in the locker room as well he's always shouting out teammates on social media and stuff like that so again that that's way down the line but you did make that thought just pop into my head no absolutely and you know i forget if it was i i think trent williams mentioned he, he said something to the receivers i don't think it was to the offensive line but when you have a guy like Trent Williams, like, I mean, he's an intimidating guy. That's, you know, one of the best left tackles we've ever seen. It's a leader. It's a future Hall of Famer. And when he's out there impressed with the way that you're commanding a huddle in practice um, and your first real action as the guy, like that to me, Rob, is something like I don't think that goes away. I don't think it's something mm -hmm. where he just, you know, is puffing out his chest to, you know, fit in initially and it's going to fade away. Like I think he, he has that, you know, command. And I think the biggest thing it comes back to is 
Right now, the 49ers are built where they really just need a guy that's going to get the ball into the hands of the Christian McCaffreys, of the Brandon Ayuks and Debo's and George Kittles. Maybe five years from now, as those guys age out and their primes, you know, they're on the back nine of their career, you might need a little bit more from the quarterback position. But the way that they're structured right now, I just have a hard time seeing that him going anywhere anytime soon because he's proven that he's going to be that guy that can facilitate and get the ball in the hands of these playmakers. And right now, for the next couple of years, the 49ers are set up to win that way and win right away. And I just don't see the locker room really responding well to another sudden shift, barring, uh, you know, if he's terrible in a quarterback competition, I'm sure that sorts itself out organically. But it's almost feeling like it's his job to lose next year, which is crazy. I never thought I would have said that six months ago, but the way he's playing, I really do feel that way. Yeah, see, I don't, I'm not ready to say that yet. I still think it's, you know, He's playing great. He's doing what he needs to do. But we've seen this before with Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought there were a couple of passes in this game where you saw his arm strength was a bit of an issue. There was the interception to Kittle. Uh, he did not have the arm strength there, especially uh, he didn't have perfect a perfect base. He was moving. He had his momentum kind of going in the opposite direction. And that's not an easy throw for anybody. There are a few quarterbacks on the planet that can make that throw with like mustard on it. I think Trey has that kind of arm talent to do it. Um, and then there was a double move that Jennings Jennings cooked somebody on a double move mm -hmm. near the end zone and Purdy just underthrew it. If he throws it deeper down the field, that's an easy touchdown catch. So, you know, there are some limitations there with Brock. It hasn't hurt him to this point. It showed up a couple of times today. So we'll see, but I'm, I'm not making any grand pronouncements, but I will say two touchdown passes in five straight games is pretty damn good. No 49ers quarterback has done that since I think it was Jeff Garcia that did it. So shout out to Brock for that. You know, what's interesting too, Rob, I do wonder. So like, let's say they do go on a run and Brock's doing what he's doing where he's being efficient. He's not, you know, throwing for 450 yards, but they do go on a run and they do win the Super Bowl. I do wonder if that almost buys them more time with Lance's development, because it's clear the guy didn't have the same amount of experience coming in that typically you'd get in a top five pick. There was always going to need to be a period of adjustment and reps, which I think people lose sight of. Like that always seemed to be the plan. So maybe if they do get that Super Bowl win, it is something where you can start looking for the long-term outlook and building over the next decade. Because I feel like what really holds them back is they haven't gotten over that hump yet. And they're so you, – you want a team to be nearsighted, obviously, right? You want them to focus on the present. But I'm wondering if maybe that Super Bowl win almost makes it easier to go back to Lance because you now have gotten, you know, that – you've reached the mountaintop. You've gotten to where you wanted to be, and you can now focus on the next – handful of years rather than like you know you lose the FC championship game it's like oh we're so close we have all these guys that are ready to win now you'd like to think that a team's going to go all in every single season unfortunately it just doesn't happen that way and I think the 49ers are coming up on that window kind of having to transition with the way they have a lot of these guys aged so I'm wondering if they could maybe you know double dip a bit win it with Purdy now and still have the adequate time to develop as they transition into that like next generation of 49ers, which hopefully would be led by the guy you invested three first round picks into. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. There is kind of two separate eras. I think the chiefs are in it now where like mm -hmm. they're leaning more on Mahomes. clearly. I mean, they don't mm -hmm. have any frigging wide receivers and they're still kicking everybody's ass. Chris watching on Facebook feels like Rob wants to give the job to Purdy next year, but doesn't want to say it. No, I want to give the job to Lance. I still want to see what Trey Lance can do, but I'm recognizing that Purdy, I mean, hes you cannot deny what he has done so far. Cody, thanks for the super chat. Just like how Kyle had Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman in Atlanta, Christian McCaffrey is just that, but in one back. And Kyle's offense is unstoppable. Yeah, this just in, he's pretty good. By the way, shout out to Christian McCaffrey. 
broke Roger Craig's record for most receptions in the first six years, I think, of a running back's career and did it in like 24 fewer games. Of course, part of that is how often teams are passing the ball nowadays, but I'm glad that it stays in the 49er family. So shout out to that. Thank you, everybody, so much for all the questions and comments. And Jordan, thank you very much for filling in for Levin Black, who couldn't be here today. We always appreciate Splash Cousin hopping on the Instant Reacts. Thank you for having me. I apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, I think that that overtime thriller just kind of, you know, that was the last straw <laughs> for my router. It was it was there stressing with me, too. So I appreciate your patience. Sorry about that. Look, we all have off days. The 49ers defense had an off day. It's not a problem. But thank you, everybody. Thank you for your support. Uh, this year has been incredible for Niners Nation. We smashed our downloads record that we set last year. We actually more than doubled it. So thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate that. Follow me on all the socials at Stats on Fire, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. You can follow Jordan Elliott on Twitter at Splash underscore Cousin. I don't know. Are you on the other socials? I actually don't know. I, you know, I tried to do Instagram for a little bit, but I'm not going to lie. I just don't have the patience to do it. The majority <laughs> of my stuff is going to be on Twitter. And then, of course, for Niners Nation, uh, happy to be a part of the team there. Uh, I imagine the content today is going to be fantastic given the, what we have to work with. So, yeah, Twitter and NinersNation.com is pretty much where I'll, I'll be residing. <laughs> no, there you go. Thank you very much once again. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.